This is Teresa Clark with Africa.com. We are here for the podcast series, Igniting Impact, sponsored by Standard Bank. Today, we are talking about ESG in the agricultural sector. And in particular, we are, have an opportunity to speak with Wandile Siglopo, who is the Chief Economist of the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. Wandile, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. Well, this topic is a very important one for any African podcast series because we're, and we're talking about impact in Africa. We know how important the agricultural sector is currently and how important the agricultural sector can and should be to the continent, um, particularly at this moment as we look towards the African Continental Free Trade Agreement Trading amongst African countries is an important way in which we will grow agriculture on the continent in order to replace imports that come from around the world when, agri when agriculture is just so rich in Africa, there's no reason for all of the importation to take place. And more than that, African can not only feed its own, but it can feed the rest of the world through exports. And that as well will have a significant impact on the sector. And you are the author of Finding Common Ground, Land, Equity, and Agriculture, which is a very important um, document that talks about ESG in the agricultural sector. And that's one of the reasons that we're so pleased to be able to have you um, joining us today. We know that you're also a visiting research fellow at the Witt School of Governance and also a senior lecturer in the Department of Agricultural Economics at Stellenbosch. So you have a lot to share with us on this topic today. Yeah, th th thanks a lot uh, for that. And I mean, I, I must agree with you in as far as the potential of agriculture in African in the African continent, um, as you rightly say, in as far as the food security. But I think it goes wider than that. You think about jobs, you think about just the contribution on the economy. So hopefully we'll be able to touch on all of those things. We can certainly touch on all of those things. So why don't we start by talking about what are the challenges that farmers are facing in Africa right now? I think in, in, in as far as the challenges that the, the farmers are facing in, in Africa, obviously there are some that are related to the ESG topic, but there are some that are fundamental uh, problems that, that the continent has, has really been grappling with uh, for quite some time. And if we can start perhaps maybe on some of the structural things, I mean, the key challenge is always to say, how do you improve productivity in Africa's agricultural sector? And I think that's been a challenge for quite some time. Um, and I mean, I can make an example here. If you were take, let's say maize, which is uh, our corn yields, and you compare where the maize yields are in the sub-Saharan Africa region and you, uh, with some of the other countries like either the US, um, uh, South American countries, you realize that for much of sub-Saharan Africa, the maize yields are still around about one ton per hectare, while in the US that number is plus six tons per hectare, and in South America you will find that it is plus five tons per hectare. The only exception being uh, South Africa, which is almost on par and in some years higher than what we see in, in South America. And then that goes back to the question to say, what has hindered uh, productivity? And that goes then to the question around about the investments either on seeds, um, on machinery that is needed. And those are some of the basic things that I think that, that, that the African farmers are struggling with at this point. But obviously, if you were to move this discussion to around about the ESG topic, 
um, does now increase pressures from climate change. Um, and I think that the region is more vulnerable that, than many others, uh, either from the droughts and also on the floods. And I think one of the things that exposes us a lot is again goes back to the genetics that are used in the in the agricultural sector. When it is too dry, you find that uh, some of the countries that don't have better seeds, they struggle a lot with yield losses. So these are all challenges that I think they compounding and limiting. Africa's agricultural growth, uh, with the exception of those countries, like I said, South Africa, which has a relatively different agricultural sector than much of the sub-Saharan um, Africa countries. And what really distinguishes South Africa? How is South Africa different? Can you go a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, I mean, the South Africa story, what makes it different um, uh, the first one is just the level of commercialization of commercial um, agriculture uh, and of obviously the scale that is there in South, in South Africa. And that has enabled um, an increase in investment in technology. And this is technology looking at it both mechanical and also biological. Um, the seeds that are used in South Africa, obviously more genetically modified crops you do find in South Africa just as in the same extent as what you see in, 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 in the Americas region and to an extent also in, in South America. But more broadly than that is also uh, the use of, of, of better technologies on managing the risk um, uh, in, in farming in South Africa. And along with that, we've seen also farmers adapting uh, better farming methods uh, of saving water, um, uh, using soil conservation uh, to, to ensure that they conserve the moisture on, on, on the soil. So there's a number of these things that we've seen them adopt, but I think at the core is that's just South Africa's agricultural sector is more mechanized um, and more uh, large scale uh, commercial compared to what, if you were to look at much of the African continent, it would still be resource poor, uh, smallholder farmers um, in, in, as a majority. And I think that's what differentiate. And obviously the roots of South Africa is linked to its own history. Um, being a country which was to, to, to an extent, uh, uh, you know, under apartheid agriculture was always one of the mainstay of the economy. A lot of investments and, and government subsidies have uh, uh, gone through that sector. But even with it in South Africa, uh, its agricultural sector remains dualistic. You still have a small scale black farmers that are operating just as similar farming entities as what you see on much of the African continent. And I guess in large part, they suffer a lot also when we are experiencing either droughts or floods, just as what you will see in much of the African continent. So there are those dynamics um, that you do uh, see here in, in, in a continent. Interesting, interesting. Now, I wanna go back to something you said a little while ago <laughs> that you were talking about um, sort of the dry lands. And as we talk about climate change, how does climate change come into the picture for the agricultural sector in Africa? I think for, for much of the African continent, I mean, the climate change story, um, it, some of the governments, for example, are still lagging in as far as uh, putting up some solid national implementable uh, policies and guiding lines of saying, how are we coping with the, with the climate change? And I think that they, the bus is leaving them behind. Because while the government and the official documents are still lacking in a number of countries, but if you were to go down now to say practically across many countries, and I can speak more in my home country in South Africa, what are the people doing um, on the ground? You find that the climate change effects, particularly um, 2014, 2015, 16 droughts, 
um, and in South Africa, that heavy drought um, uh, that affected Cape Town and there was much publicized day zero. All of those, they've changed how farmers and the food producers in general perceive climate change to an extent that now they have adopted uh, on their own in large part, much better farming method. I spoke about conservation, agriculture and field crops. But if you were to look at the horticultural space, that's fruit and vegetables, and you look at the irrigation method that people are using, the netting that they are using to conserve soil moisture. So the practices of farming are really changing and adapting more of the environmental friendly, but also of ways of saying how do farmers conserve the resource that they actually work and not really exploit it. And I think that is happening because they know that whatever profits they get depends on how they manage their land better. And the drought has given them uh, that awakening. And also they know that it's in their best interest to manage well some of these resources. So that's what you see a lot in the commercial space. But obviously, as you travel across then the African continent, some people might not have those capabilities and the financial resources of coping and putting together all of those uh, uh, water saving irrigation systems because there is really areas where there isn't any irrigation system uh, to start off or any infrastructure. And those are pretty much more exposed then. I mean, you look through the much of East Africa uh, when there they, they are all of these floods or all these droughts, there's always this talk of excessive um, uh, hunger and, and everything else and loss that actually happens in there. So I would say the climate change affects differently depending on the resources that farmers do have. But the recent occurrences of the disasters have awakened farmers to the reality of climate change. And those that do have means are beginning to produce in much more sustainable ways um, that enable them to, to have that long-term sustainability. That's really what we're observing. Well, well we're speaking to you around the conclusion of COP26, which has been a very important set of convenings of discussion around climate change. Is there anything that has surprised you or that has come out of COP26 this year that um, informs the agricultural sector for Africa? Yeah, I think for the for the Africa for the agricultural sector in Africa, not much for me that that is rather a surprise. But 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 I think we have to take uh, seriously uh, the story of climate change. Like I said, you have uh, many economies whereby more than twenty percent of their GDP is still on agriculture. Um, and the labor force also double digit is still on agriculture. That does mean then when we are in all of these extreme climate swings, um, many people are really vulnerable uh, onto this. So I think the story is to say, how do we get agriculture to at least find some better coping mechanisms with the climate as it's changing, but also going forward to ensure that the resources that we do have um, is utilized more efficiently. And I guess then for the COP26, the, the, the whole consensus from some of the developed world of taking climate seriously and thinking about the better ways of coping could be seen as a positive to say, okay, as we go forward, let's see if there could be some shared strategies and resources about how to sustain the food sector um, and not largely only focus on the energy dynamics, which have been much publicized, but also within the agriculture. I think that could be useful. Well, that's an interesting topic. Um, I think that it would be interesting for our listeners to hear of some examples. Can you give us some success stories on the continent of some 
um, of some friendly, environmentally friendly farming tools and practices that you think would be a good example for people who want to learn more about the sector? Yeah, I, th I think I think in the in the, in the in the continent, I mean, I might miss some of the countries that I don't have intimate knowledge of. But what we've been able to observe, uh, which seems to be working somewhat uh, for me, is again uh, need it, it needs some bit of capital um, uh, of how to cope. I mentioned some water saving irrigation schemes. I mentioned about the netting in the horticultural space, but also conservation agriculture on ensuring that there is minimal tillage on the land when the farmers plant, because at the end of the day, they are depending to the soil moisture that is in the, in the, in, in the soil, in the, in the land. But then if you till with the usual way of making sure all your fields are brown, then if it is dry, I mean, all of the soil moisture that you already had, that uh, goes out. So it's really those simple ways of saying, how do you ensure that you remain to have some moisture to sustain your agricultural activity? But I do think that in the mix of that, technology has a way. Um, and I think those colleagues that are working on seed breeding technologies, can they breed seeds that have a shorter growing variety, uh, a shorter growing varieties than the usual, that will be six months, seven months or so, at least within the field crops like grains and all seeds, because that could be useful because with climate change, what we are seeing is not only just the frequent occurrence of droughts and floods, but also the cycles of rainfall have changed somewhat. And I think that there's a lot that could be done on, on that end. And then if we do follow that end, uh, it does mean that the African governments also needs to be open um, on how they regulate some of the technologies that are coming onto agriculture. Um, and they have for a long time maintained a strong stand of saying no genetically modified crops and, and all of that. And each country can have its own reasons, um, just as South Africa decided to adopt that from as early as 2001. But I think for some technologies that are good for productivity, but also conserving um, uh, uh, the environment, because when you get higher yields, it also means that you till less land. But when you have low yields and you want to increase the volume, it means that you are tilling the whole uh, large uh, fields, and that is not environmentally friendly. And I think those simple methods that many governments and private sector partners could be thinking about in as far as agriculture, they could move us a little bit inch forward. But obviously, there are some broader sectors that can make a more meaningful uh, way of coping with climate change. These on agriculture will really be just the coping mechanisms of ensuring that we still produce. One of the concerns I know for being able to export effectively is having a good cold chain. Um, and so is there anything, have there been any developments recently on creating a good cold chain so that Africa might be able to export or even trade within, um, within the continent? Yeah, that's that's still really one of the part of the discussion that 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 is ongoing. Because while as a continent, uh, you know, as you know, we have our continental free trade agreement um, signed last year. So, but one of the big issues there, in as far as agriculture, is still the infrastructure. Um, so the infrastructure is still not up to standard, uh, at least in our view, to encourage much of that uh, trade to take place. I think for me, it will be a while until there is solid in investments onto that cold chain storage, but also just in moving, uh, you know, dry commodities like grains and this stuff, it becomes more expensive to move some of the products to some African countries uh, rather than sending it um, to Japan, South Korea, and, and various countries in the deep sea. So I think those logistical things are, are still some of the challenges that the continent um, will have to grapple with um, a, a, a going forward. And obviously for 
trade in general, there's a lot that I think some of the export-oriented countries like South Africa, which exports about half of what it produces in value terms, will need to cope with with the number of countries that um, they are trading with, such as the EU and the others who have adopted um, new standards of saying how, to, how, how, how are they going to manage trade going forward in compliance with the climate change story. So these are some of the exciting and also difficult challenges that the farmers in the region will have to adopt to. Interesting, um, very interesting. Now, a couple, I guess this last month, you wrote something about how South Africa's agricultural sector has proved to be a saving grace during the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit more about how that's the case? Yeah, South Africa's agriculture is, has been really the mainstay of the South African economy over the pandemic. Um, and part of that is thanks, obviously, to good rainfall that we've, we've received. Uh, that boosted um, the harvest in a number of crops like the horticulture industry were at record level in the grain's second biggest harvest um, uh, in history. And that meant that the sector grew by 13.4% um, on a on a year on year basis and, and obviously contributing uh, to the broader e economic activity as many of the other sectors were, were, were closed. But I think the other positive is obviously the fact that in the regulations, the lockdown regulations that were applied in many countries and obviously more aggressively here at home in South Africa, uh, agriculture and the food industry was left uh, relatively more open. It was untouched since the onset of the pandemic. So all of those, the combination of that allowed the sector to do fairly well. And I guess the positive is also the fact that it sustained employment of over 800,000 people that are working in agriculture in South Africa. That may sound small, but for a country, that is unemployment numbers like ours over 30%. Any job that you do see is always a welcome. So that's where agriculture, I think, um, it, it, contribute, it contributed positively. One obviously can always worry to say, imagine if we had the pandemic in a year where maybe we're having droughts like what we had in 2015, 16, then this would have been a very difficult year for South Africa. But fortunately, at least, um, the weather was positive on our side, even though the, the, there's been a major pandemic and everything else. Now, you, I know you're an expert on South Africa. I hope you don't mind if I ask you um, to speak more broadly about the continent. That's a very interesting insight um, with respect to how South Africa's agricultural sector really um, grew during the pandemic, one of the few sectors that grew, and I imagine you know, at a particularly important time um, when the continent is, needs to be more self-sufficient. Is South Africa uh, a lone ranger in terms of how its agricultural sector performed during the pandemic? Or is that, um, is that performance of South Africa's agricultural sector a reflective of the sector across the continent during this time? Yeah, it's actually a reflective of the sector across the continent. Um, and interestingly, at the start of the pandemic, uh, many organizations such as the World Bank and the others, they worried that, you know, the, the, the pandemic and the disruption of the supply chains will cause this uh, uptick in the number of people that are, are, are in poverty, um, food shortages and everything else. That, that there, were, there were snippets of notes that were published saying that. But because of the improvement uh, in rainfall across the, the, the Southern Africa region and also East Africa, 
that assisted a lot in boosting the yields uh, in, in, in these countries. We in fact saw a number of countries turning from being a net importers to being net exporters of major grains. Take for example, our neighboring Zimbabwe. They had their biggest corn harvest since 1984 and became uh, in a long time a net exporter or in as far as the grains. And that's the story that you stretch if you think about Malawi, you think of Tanzania, Zambia, and even stretching far up in East Africa region, those were the positive that numbers that we, we were seeing. The only countries I would say they were not as blessed as the likes of Kenya and obviously Nigeria uh, didn't really have as awesome harvest as what we had in the sub in the Southern Africa region. But overall, I think in as far as the agricultural conditions and the agricultural performance in the African continent, this was one of the best years um, that we've seen in a long time. Interesting, very interesting. Um, how about Ethiopia? Do you have a sense as to how Ethiopia performed in the last year? Yeah, I mean, Ethiopia is, is an important country, um, you know, one of the notable uh, producers of grain and wheat. Um, the, 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 the climatic conditions weren't as harsh, but the conflicts uh, that are there uh, did mean also that there's been disruption in some of the farming um, entities. So the numbers that at least we are seeing uh, from where we're sitting coming out of Ethiopia aren't as positive as what you would see in the sub-Saharan Africa region. And I guess one cannot blame it only on the conflicts and the disruption um, in, in some farming activity, but also the fact that that whole Horn of Africa region having suffered because of climate change related stuff, the, 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 the locusts that were bad for agriculture in that region, you still see the tail end effect um, of that to, a, to an extent, which why my emphasis was really to say the Southern Africa region is the one that had done uh, relatively, uh, they done exceptionally. Okay, very helpful. Thank you for sharing your knowledge about the entire continent. I know you work specifically in South Africa, but you have a tremendous depth of knowledge across the continent as well, which is wonderful for our listeners. Thank you for, for sharing those insights. Um, let me just switch gears a little bit and ask you, um, let's talk about women in the agricultural sector. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit for people who are trying to understand the sector, what role do women play today and how do you see that evolving going forward? Yeah, women have always been an uh, uh, important part of the Africa's agricultural sector. I mean, everybody will remember studies out of the FAO and the others, which talked about, uh, name the number, 80% of smallholder farmers being women. But obviously, new research that has come out of the World Bank, they place the contribution of women in as far as participating in farming, somewhere around about uh, 40 to 50% in a number of countries. But that being said, I mean, women are part and an important integral of, 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 the, of Africa's agricultural sector. And if you dive down into the likes of countries like South Africa, uh, you do see that, you know, in the labor force of the agriculture, women making up about 30% or so. But I think going forward, then the question begins, and, and this is one of the policy uh, discussion that is happening in South Africa of saying, how do you ensure that women continue to benefit more uh, from whatever government resources that are being put in place? But also in South Africa, we have what we call the land reform program which deals with some of the injustices that happened in the past between white and black South Africans. But what we had seen was that 
much of the land that was given to black South African through the land reform process was really going to politically linked uh, black male and women were always left uh, uh, out uh, or at the minima of those benefits. Now the government began to come up with the process of saying maybe half of what of the land that it gives goes to women, in part because of that importance of them in sustaining the rural economy, but also the fact that uh, the, the resources were not equitable uh, shared with them. And I guess while much of the African continent then is not grappling with the challenges that like that, which you see in South Africa, but women still find themselves in as far as the benefiting on certain resources at the, at the, at the, at the, at the end tail of that. But in as far as the contribution, they still do a lot. So I would say there's a lot that needs to be done on empowering both women as well as the relatively younger people or in Africa's agriculture in general, not limited to what we are seeing here in South Africa. Very interesting, very interesting. I mean, when you compare the African agricultural sector to what you see in developing countries around the world, can you help our audience put Africa into context? I mean, it's a continent of a billion people um, with very fertile soil. Um, how does Africa's potential and its reality compare with South America, for example, or parts of Asia? You know, just how much upside is there for Africa and how do you think about Africa as an agricultural market in a global context? I think what, what is weighed on Africa, it, it goes back to our initial point about the, the, the productivity. Right now, for example, you compare what we produce in a range of crops, uh, yields per hectare uh, with, with the Asian markets, uh, you compare with South America, really across the developed world, we are lagging um, um, a, a lot. As I made an example of corn yields where we are doing one tons per hectare, um, as the continent, while you find that South Americans and the others are plus five tons per hectare. So that speaks to that disparity in as far as the, as the yields. So a number of things obviously uh, goes back to say those countries that are doing well, uh, adoption of technology, financing of the agricultural sector uh, have been at the core of boosting that productivity. If you were to apply the same metrics within the sub-Saharan Africa region, then the ball game of global food supplies would change because now you typically maybe would take what is currently being produced, you multiply that by five or so, and that would give you an indication. I know this is a crude estimate, but it will give you an indication of what would potentially come out of a number um, of countries in, 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 the, in the African continent. That would be a good boost to, 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 glo to global supplies. So. If we are not doing though that, it does mean that a number of countries in Africa will continue expanding their agricultural production through maybe deforestation and tilling in more land and all of those things, which is not positive for our environment. What we should be looking at is to say, how do we improve productivity in as far as the output per hectare um, and obviously managing the input side or cost in, in that equation. And I think that's where the African continent is still lagging if you were to compare it with the number of the emerging market. And that's the area where of intervention that is important for both governments as well as the private sector players on making a, a positive dent um, into that area. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Well, Wandile, um, this has been a real, uh, very fast education 
on some very important matters across this sector in, in the entire continent. Is there anything else that you think that anyone listening to this would want to know that would be important as we try to capture the salient issues for agriculture and ESG in Africa in this moment? Is there anything else that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, I think you covered uh, some of the, of the more important aspects uh, here really well, and I'm thankful for that. And perhaps maybe one of the things I could emphasize is that making all of this improvement in agriculture in Africa would not only be important for the social side of saying uh, we are boosting uh, food security, but also that story of employment that could be created for young people and also adding value into agriculture, which is the agro-processing side, which I think it will be important uh, for, for, for jobs um, in the sector, in, in a continent, but also then the environmental space um, uh, if, if we boost productivity, it does mean that we're not going to be uh, shaving off all of the African continent trying to till every land, but we'll get more with the limited uh, area that we could plant. So those are some of the things that I would again emphasize onto that. But overall, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be part of this discussion. Let me follow on your comment. That's such an important comment that you make and you want to emphasize it. Let me just ask you just in very simplistic terms, how likely do you think it is that Africa is moving to do exactly what you said, to be able to create those jobs, to be able to earn that extra income through agro-processing. How likely do you think that is to have a really meaningful, I mean, I know that there's incremental growth every year, but how likely do you think that Africa is really gonna harness that potential you know, in, the, in the near, very near future? I would say there, uh, you know, the, the odds are still very low. I mean, the message is encouraging. If you listen to um, uh, conversations like at Agra, the, 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 at Agra in Nairobi, the colleagues looking at the continent's agriculture recently came up with their 2021 report, which again, they highlighted some of these things. But I think in uh, until the politicians and they uh, are able to get this message and really hone in in their individual countries and put as much emphasis and uh, and investments in agriculture as they talk about when they go to conferences, you know we're not going to be able to see that 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 change. And I guess countries like South Africa, Zambia, um, and to an extent Tanzania have been lucky because they've been able to deepen their value chains and do a lot out of agriculture. And I could add Botswana into that mix. But I think a number of the African continent need to look into these countries and say how what lessons can they learn and also know that for high impact funding, uh, that, that in terms of jobs and the well-being, agriculture might be one of those sectors that will have the near-term gain. And it offers people a, a foot into the labor market, and then they can upskill and go into the other sectors of the economy. But that needs uh, you know, political will across the African countries, which at this point, um, it's very dim in a number of, of countries across the continent. Well, there you have it from one of the continent's leading experts in agriculture. I, I wish that we could conclude on, on a slightly more optimistic note, but it's helpful to understand from someone who really understands the sector, what's required to get there. So even though we may not be there, we hope that more great minds like yours are thinking about this and advocating and um, that the education and the um, education provided through this sort of um, podcast, we hope that we can help to change hearts and minds to get that kind of commitment because it is such an important 
um, factor for the continent's success. So we thank you for all that you're doing to improve food security for the continent and for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you. All right, well, this is Teresa Clark with the Igniting Impact series for Africa, uh, sponsored by Standard Bank. This is the last in our series of six. We hope you have enjoyed them and we look forward to continuing to talk with you on podcasts in the future. Thank you so very much.